Hey, theater people. Did you know that starting this Friday, February 23rd, Disney is starting Frozen Fridays. For four Fridays in a row, you can go online to watch a music video featuring a brand new song written exclusively for Frozen, Disney's new Broadway musical at the St. James Theater. Visit FrozenTheMusical.com today to get excited, and then come back on Friday the 23rd to check out the new music. Okay, now to the show. Welcome to the Theater People Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Hines. You guys, today we are super excited to welcome the very handsome and unbelievably talented Adam Cantor back to the podcast. When we last chatted with Adam, he was mid-run playing Modal in the 2015 revival of Fiddler on the Roof, a production he was with from start to finish. Adam made his Broadway debut as Mark Cohen in Rent in 2008 and went on to play Henry in the Broadway production of Next to Normal and Jamie in the off-Broadway revival of The Last Five Years. Adam is currently co-starring as Telephone Guy in the gorgeous and critically acclaimed The Band's Visit, now playing at the Ethel Barrymore Theater. It was lovely catching up with him. Here's our conversation. Hi, Adam Cantor. Hey. It is so good to see you. Great to see you. First question answered, the hair is not real. It's not real. It looks super real. She's a damn fine wig. (laughs) I was watching it with my husband. I was like, that was my dream high school hair. Oh, really? All I wanted was like super thick, mangy high school hair. For real? Yeah. I could never get it. I know. I didn't know anyone ever dreamed of that kind of hair. (laughs) I was a weird kid, Adam Cantor. Yeah, yeah. Well, the wig went through some uh, iterations, some wigorations. (laughs) It was, first it was kind of really stringy and gross, and then it was very, like, flowy and (laughs) a little, like, Jesus-y, and I think they Uh found a nice balance. I feel like that's what your hair, if you, like, grew your hair out and didn't wash it every day, I feel like that's what it would look like. It would probably be a little more fro-y and a little more, like, you know... Yeah, a little, <laughs> little thicker, and probably it'll just extend outward a little bit more. But yeah, no, they, it, it, it's a, it's a really, it's a great wig. <laughs> we should mention it's like ten thirty in the morning, which is yeah. super early actor yeah. time. Uh-huh. You were saying that you have like some cool thing you have to go do after this. What are you doing? Well, all this month, I'm, I'm doing this food experience. I'm, I've conceived and produced along with um, my buddy Brian Bordanek, who ran a company called Dinner Lab. Uh, this kind of immersive interactive storytelling food theater experience like during the day no 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 it's uh it's at night actually okay. but we have a bunch of work to do during the day got it got um it. and so i'm mostly not there because i'm at the show of course at yeah. night but then after curtain call i run down to catch the end of it wow where is um, it it's at uh the avenues world school in chelsea uh we've kind of taken over their uh, their their cafeteria space, which overlooks the High Line. And oh, yeah. It's this beautiful space. It's like this amazing school, beautiful facility. And what we're doing is, I've always been really interested in how like food and taste can be part of the storytelling experience. You know, you totally. go to a theater, you you're you're invested in 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 sight, of course, and sound, and you know, sometimes even smell can be activated. I mean, I remember yep. in Waitress, it's like you're smelling. Oh, totally, the pies, right? totally. Um, so. I'm very interested in like how can taste and food, food is so evocative. And we, uh, 
a f- Brian and I got together like about a year ago and started talking about how we can create an experience that really takes a, a, a diner, you know, not like a, a restaurant diner, like someone who dines, yeah. <laughs> one who dines on a journey through food and also mixing performance in there and, you know, wow. theater. And not like a, you know, Evita dinner theater kind of No, way. not exactly. It's not like you're, you're, eating some food that has nothing to do with what you're uh-huh. happen to be watching. It's like the food is very much part of the journey that you're going on. So we started, we did, we started this like started brainstorming about a year ago and then we were looking for source material. We landed on this cookbook by the artist Salvador Dali, yeah. which is this, it's this crazy surrealist guide to a dinner party. It's called Le Dinner de Gala. And we started workshopping that and adapting it um, into a theatrical experience and we had a workshop with some some people from Brian's Dinner Lab days and his, the food world. And I brought in some awesome like Broadway folk and immersive theater folk and punch drunk and designers. Yeah. And we all kind of just like brainstormed what this thing could look like. And it was this really exciting day. Shortly thereafter, Brian and I, along with Benj Pasek, who many th- uh, theater lovers know. Some of us have heard of him. Yes, yeah, some of us have heard of uh, uh, We along with a few of our other friends, we developed this Passover Seder experience, this immersive, uh, somewhat interactive Seder. And it was really powerful. We, we kind of built this like Bedouin tent in Midtown and wow. uh, did this full-on modern retelling of the story of Exodus for, twenty at that time, 2017. And it was really powerful going through that story of Exodus today when we're dealing with all these themes of you know totally. of refugees and 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 mass migration and we're living in a country where we're re-examining what it means to be an american and what it means to be living in a country that is you know so founded by immigrants yeah. and we're living in a city in new york city that is teeming with immigrants and after that Seder, we were thinking, we, we started going back to the Dali thing, and we thought, we just kept coming back to this Seder, which was so powerful, and we thought, okay, we are literally consuming immigrant stories on a daily basis. We are eating every day. I mean, you, you go, you, you, you're eating stories from all over the world without necessarily knowing what's behind these stories. Yeah. And we thought, what if we can extract some of those and create a narrative culinary experience around this theme of migration, um, where each course... You know, and a really like high end tasting menu kind of a thing, beautifully prepared food, but that really has story behind it. Um, I could talk to you about this for seven hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you finding artists that want to like tell their own stories and you help them integrate the food into it, or where are you finding the stories that you're telling? So we, um, we. First, we Brian worked with all these chefs from Dinner Lab, so we just we reached out. We sort of sent like this questionnaire to find source material, you know, to adapt like you would adapt to any kind of theatrical endeavor. We yeah. needed, we wanted some kind of source material um, and something that was real. We didn't want to just create a, a migration story, of yeah. course. So we we sent out questionnaires and we landed on a chef named Jay Jung who was cooking at La Bernadette at the time, and um, Jay was a Dinner Lab favorite. And so we, along with a, a Korean playwright, her name is Hansel Jung, and Shana Taub, who we love. She's you know brilliant composer, oh right, songwriter, of course, of course, yeah. Um, we created this kind of script, which which uh, we experience in an interactive way <clears throat> around the table. So guests themselves are handed. Uh, parts of the script to read, kind of like a Haggadah, which you read at the Passover Seder. Wow. Um, 
so it's very much Seder inspired, but it's like instead of the story of the Jews migration out of Egypt, um, or I should say their their you know refugee ship out of Egypt, we're experiencing the kind of Haggadah of Jay Jung, her migration out of from from uh, Seoul to New York City and her relationship with her mother along the way. And really, all the food that you eat follows this narrative journey. There's a script that we follow that's interactive that Hansel helped adapt. There's a uh, there's some music that Shana wrote. This um, is so fascinating. Thank you. <laughs> How many people can you guys see at one time? Right now, it's about forty. Our la- we did like a test run last summer, which was like twenty, and now we're ex- we're trying more numbers. So the maximum right now is like forty, and it's running all February. Um, I'm there every night after my band's visit. Curtain call. Wow. Uh, Thank God that show is 25 minutes long. <laughs> Just kidding. It's a full 90 minutes, you guys. 90 minutes. Yeah, it's a full, and she's a complete 90 minutes. Yeah, <laughs> and we're gonna get to that in one second. But how yeah. do people? Where can people find all the info? Oh yeah, uh, storycoursenyc.com. We're calling ourselves Story Course. This production under the Story Course umbrella is called How Do You Hug a Tiger. Um, and this is so Adam Cantor, you've blown my mind at ten thirty in the morning. Uh, this is amazing. Well, I'm literally. I mean, I'm exhausted. I was there all night, and I'm about <laughs> to go to Food and Wine after this to do a like a live demo with the chef. Wow. So I'm like very much straddling uh, some worlds right now. It's funny because one of the questions I wanted to ask you was the last time we talked was in your dressing room for Fiddler. Yeah. And you did that show from start to finish, I think. Right. I did. Yeah. So. My question was going to be, like, what does a successful... Like, obviously, I'm sure you had some money in the bank, but, like, you're a very successful, well-known actor in our in our world. You can't just go get, like, a bartending I, job. Well, I, I have so much money, let me tell you. you I am rolling in it. Your diamonds I look am, gorgeous this morning. Yeah, yeah, you have no idea what this world of a successful... I, let's see. Well, it's I, I why live people in a, get into the theaters for the money. Yeah, truly. Yeah, and then especially the food business. So, let, I am so rolling in it, let me tell you. But I was just going to say, like, what do you do? Like, you wake up the day after your show closes and you're like, now, like, what do I do until the next big Broadway gig happens? Yeah. Well, I love teaching. I do. I, you know, I, I teach with some different groups in the city and um, I do concerts. Oh, with Betsy. You, know? you do your own and with Betsy. Yeah. Yeah. I've been doing a bunch with Betsy. We did, we did at Carnegie Hall a few months ago, That's which right. was crazy. Yes. I made, got to make my Carnegie debut with like some of my idols. I mean, let alone to like sing at Carnegie Hall yeah. but to to get to have as like guest stars which was even insane <laughs> that it was like Adam Cantor and you know Betsy and, and like a small box on the side featuring Sarah Bareilles and Ingrid Michaelson and it was like what world am I living in this is ridiculous but um that was also like a, a night about like benefiting like women's cause. It was like a women centric thing. Yeah. It, well, it was it was all women who write music. Yeah. So it was every, every song was written by a woman. So I, we got and we had Shana Taub come up. We had Georgia Stitt. Um, wow. Uh, yeah. It, so it went all the way back, you know, to like Betty Comden. Yeah. Through to Carol King and then to today. Wow. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about the band's visit. Yeah. If I try, maybe I can see. So 
So I was I was fascinated to find out that you had been in the early like the first reading of it. Yeah, you know, I wonder. I don't know if it was like the very first. I know this piece has been in development for like at least seven years. I think Oren Wolf, our brilliant producer, uh, saw the movie, and um, I think he obtained the rights like at least seven years ago. I wow. did a reading of it um, that Hal Prince directed. Uh, God, I think it was like three, maybe now three years ago or something. Um, and I did not read Telephone Guy. I have it in my email. I mean, I think I read like Sammy, Itzik, and maybe Zelga. I read like three parts. And did Telephone Guy exist in that incarnation? Yeah. He did. I don't think it was like as... Um, I don't I don't remember if there were as many scenes as there are now. Yeah. Um, of course, David Cromer, now being our director, is so brilliant at extracting yeah. a moment which might feel like... You know, just a, 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 a sliver in a script, but but he really pulls it out. So there's, you know, there's a whole scene that George and I, who, George Abuda plays Kamal. That you know, there's a, there's a whole moment that George and I have right now that that in the script might just be like a line, yeah. And it's now like a three minute scene, and increasing every night as we continue to milk our. <laughs> and I'm sure every time David comes back, he's like, "Let's bring that back to where." But you know, he's the script itself is really only like 50 pages or something. Wow. Um, so, yeah, a lot of this show takes place in silence, which is really interesting for a musical. Cromer is the perfect guy, I think, to to really delve into that. Yeah. What Can you tell us just a little bit about, I think our listeners will be interested to know a little bit about what a reading kind of is and what, like, shape, how the show was maybe different then than it is now. When I did, I, I've actually done two readings of the band's visit. The first reading was, as I said, when Hal Prince was directing it. And at that point, there wasn't any music, really. I think at the end of the reading, um, when we got to what would have been Answer Me, yep. I think that was, at, at that point, the only song that David Yazbek had actually written. And he just played it on, like, a boombox. Like, played, like, him singing it. Wow. And... It was powerful and a beautiful song and, you know, perfectly simple. And yet, without the context of the entire score before it, yeah, its its power didn't fully resonate in the way that it, I think it does now, now knowing what precedes it, you know? Yeah. Um, so, I have so... There's so much I want to talk to you about with that song when, yeah. when we get there. Yeah, 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 for sure. So, um, it, it, I remember thinking, okay, there's... This is amazing on so many levels. I think I was really struck by its naturalism for yeah. a musical. Even even then, you know, how real the characters felt um, and how understated and simple and subtle it all felt. I think that was always there because that's that's in the film. Yeah. Um, Did you know the movie at the time? I had never seen the movie, no. I watched it before that Hal Prince reading. And I also remember thinking, wow, how, you know, this is such an interesting, yeah. like, of course it lends itself to music in so many ways. I had just never experienced that in a theater. I think the closest actually in terms of naturalism was probably Diner, which never made it to Broadway uh -huh. but, or hasn't yet, I should say. But, um, and I was really drawn to that about Diner too, just sort of very, very naturalistic style for a musical. Um, and I've been wanting the... I've been wanting us to go in that direction yeah. more and more. Um, so that really excited me about the band's visit. It's like, it's enormous emotional value. I didn't quite 
grasp at that time. Yeah. Oh um, my god. I'll just tell you, I hadn't seen it. My husband had seen it. I have since seen it, but we were on a on a car trip, and he knows I'm a big fan of yours and and like David Yazbek, which I want to yeah. talk to you about in a second. And he's like, "Do you want to hear the music?" And I was like, "I no, I want to wait till I see it." And he's like, "I have to play you Adam's song." And I was like, "No." <laughs> and then he played it for me, and I'm driving, and I'm bawling. We had to pull over because <laughs> no I was because the thing about the song is like your beautiful angel <laughs> voice, but then also the whole company comes in and I'm a sucker for like a big quiet beautiful oh, yeah. company number I was an it was like an absolute driving hazard we were in 95 and I had to pull it was I was like what <gasps> did you just do to me And I'm sorry, and thank you. <laughs> well, I was like, Steve, you knew this was gonna. This was what was going to happen when you played the song for me. Yeah. Um, what did you know of David Yazbek's work, or or what were your feelings towards his work before embarking on this project? I'm the biggest David Yazbek fan. I'm such a fan. I mean, he's such a chameleon. Um, yeah. I guess the f- first thing I had seen was. Full Monty, which I saw with my grandma, oh. <laughs> and I remember at the very end when you know they all like finally yes. pull off whatever it is their whatever's hiding their junk, <laughs> they whip it off, and then my grandma goes, "It's a hit." <laughs> grandma, I love it. Yeah, and and you know, she was right. Um, yeah, and I've I've just I've been a fan. I didn't I had never really met him. I didn't know him. I guess the first time I met him was. Uh, so we, I, while I was in Fiddler, um, I was asked to audition for the, the Atlantic theater production of the band's visit. And I, you know, I was a few months from ending Fiddler and I wasn't ready to, to leave. And I thought, oh, this is such a hard thing, but I'm going to have to say, I can't leave yet. Thank you so much for these, this opportunity, um, to, potentially be in the show but can we like hold off on this and i'm just gonna pray that like it keeps going and i can be a part of it at some point in its journey again um so i finished fiddler and let me back up a little bit before i finished fiddler they came back and said well we're doing um we're, we're we're doing this obviously we're doing the atlanta production but uh we need someone for a reading before the production begins rehearsals, like a week long reading workshop situation, uh, to read and sing telephone guy. And I like, I remembered that beautiful song from that reading with Hal Prince years ago that David played. It was the only song that we heard. And I remembered how kind of, I had a feeling at that point that that role was something there was like some magic in it, uh-huh. you know, some uh-huh. like soft, quiet magic in it. And I said, of course, I mean, just to like beep, I'm so thrilled to just be part of its journey again in any way, even though I can't do the full production at the Atlantic. So for that, I just did telephone guy at the reading, I guess, because the actor that they hired couldn't, uh, couldn't do it for that day or that week rather. So 
I got to know uh, Yazbek a little bit there, and I got to know this current team. You know, Cromer. I'd been a huge fan of Cromer's work too. I mean, I saw yeah. Our Town, and yeah. I was I went to college at Northwestern in Chicago, and so like I was familiar with who he was as a Chicago director, yeah. and um, a lot of like mutual colleagues and friends from Chicago, and. I had auditioned for him a bunch, but never actually worked for him. So I was thrilled to be in the room with him there. Itamar Moses, I I did a show called Nobody Loves You at the Old Globe in San Diego mm-hmm. a few years back. So love him. And it was a it was a great week, and I got to hear all this other music um, from the show. And then I, you know, I, I saw it at the Atlantic yeah. while I was in Fiddler and was just, like, blown away. Yeah. It was one of those shows that made that really was on. It was like an off Broadway show that was on the radar, which doesn't happen all the time, you know. I remember like the reviews were incredible. Everyone was talking about it, um, and so I really, I, I, even me, who's like sort of immersed in this world, I really only ever see Broadway stuff. And I remember hearing about Band's visit at Atlantic and not getting to see it, but was reading about your experience seeing it, and I was curious, like, what your thoughts were. Oh, I, what, I'm like, what, what did you read? What did I say? No, no, no. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was curious why you said that thing about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I was just, I was stunned by it. I, I Again, having had done the reading before and knowing most of the cast that would be doing it uh, in the production, I was somewhat familiar with their essences as, as individuals. Um, but seeing... It in its full shape in this cohesive way and and it's the the beauty of its silence and mm-hmm. all the the chromerisms that had developed you know the the um the gorgeous scene work and the 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 fully explored moments and the beats and then yeah. of course this arc of the telephone guy just like really really moved me and the explosion at the end of answer yeah. me um it just really, yeah, it, it, it hit. I was, I was like very, very, very moved. Um, and then I wrote them a dorky email. I was like, <laughs> I am such a fanboy, you know, I'm so glad I got to see it. And, uh, and then like, I don't know, I, the universe pulled in my way and I got to, I, I got to be part of it on Broadway. Hey, theater people, Patrick here. Just a reminder that starting this Friday, Disney is starting Frozen Fridays. For four Fridays in a row, you can go online to watch a music video featuring a brand new song written exclusively for Frozen, Disney's new Broadway musical at the St. James Theater. Visit FrozenTheMusical.com today to get excited, and then come back on Friday the 23rd to check out the new music. Okay, back to the show. Did they ask you to audition for it? Oh yeah, they did. How oh, many yeah. auditions did you have yeah. to do? I had to do. Let's see. To go back in on Broadway, I think it was two. Two. Um. Yeah, it might have just. Yeah, I had. <laughs> That's always so funny to me when, like, you've been a part of the workshops. They ask you to come back and do another reading, and then they want you to audition again. Yeah. Are oh you, yeah. Do you feel yeah. kind of like you guys know what I can do? Of course, there was that. Like, really, you know, but but but. <laughs> But also, I got it because look, it had been they they it had been a while. It had been a few months at least. I mean, let's see. I auditioned in like the summer, like July or something. Um, and I, it had been a while since that reading that I did before their Atlantic production. I don't know, almost a year, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I imagined that now that they were going to Broadway, there were new commercial producers, yeah, uh, brought on. 
um, who maybe needed to see me. There was there was some new team team members who hadn't seen me, like in an audition room or perhaps even at that reading. Like, for example, Patrick McCollum, who's our brilliant choreographer. Um, and yeah, I get it. They needed to sort of just refresh. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I did go back in, and then I I didn't hear for a while. You know, I think they still. They were just making sure and taking their time, and it's a very sensitive, delicate piece, yeah. as you know. And yeah. I think they just really wanted to make sure they saw everybody that they needed to see and weigh it heavily. And yeah, can you tell the people a little bit about Telephone Guy? If you've seen the show, I love love this character because he is very quiet. You know, can you tell the people a little bit about who the character is and where what he does, like yeah. who he is in the world of the show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a guy with uh, seemingly unwavering faith (laughs) (laughs) and steadfast in his commitment to wait by a phone for his girlfriend to call him back. And so we're in this little town of Bet HaTikva in the middle of nowhere, Israel. And uh, we learn pretty quickly that this is a town of people who are actively waiting just seem to be waiting for some kind of catharsis who are unfulfilled on some level yeah so interesting that term actively waiting yes yeah that's yeah. that's a big thing that we talk about in and and cromer talks a lot about that as well of like not falling back into the hopelessness but being active in the waiting and 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 active in the hope that yeah. something will come. Yeah, it sounds hopeful. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So we see this guy. I mean, I I'm very much. If you come to the band's visit or if you've seen it, you know I I am very much just staring at a phone for a <laughs> long, long time. Can I ask you some technical questions? Yeah. Do you have to close your eyes? No, I'm not. There's a light at the phone, and people often ask me, like, "Are you staring into that light? Because it looks bright, and it looks like it's going to hurt your eyes." No, I'm, not, I'm. So I'm not looking directly into the light. <laughs> I'm looking. I mean, I'm looking into the like metaphorical light. Like I'm waiting for like God or like the Messiah or just the universe to yeah. uh, to come through for me. But I'm not actually looking into the physical light. I'm looking at the head of the telephone. Do you have to actively on in some on some days stay present? Or are, oh, are there some times when you're like making your shopping well, list? Especially when you're running a like a, a food experience, like producing <laughs> yes. a whole other, and I literally have like spreadsheets in my mind and f- e- a million emails and phone calls. There are the performances where it is difficult to stay focused. What I, I look at this, my role in this show, in many ways, it's like it's a wonderful forced daily meditation for yeah. me, like stillness. Yeah. I, Especially, you know, when you when you compare it to Fiddler, for example, my last show, which had so much like kinetic energy yep. in that in that performance, um, and in like the doing of the piece, this t- to be forced to be just completely still on stage is a, like a wonderful challenge for me as an artist. It's also a good challenge as a human being just to like have that time every day. Yeah, um, it's really hard. Yeah, and it, it seems like it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you make it look effortless, but I was uh, thinking yeah, like, like that has to be eight times a week. Like, it's funny when you see a show; you're probably only going to see a show once, maybe twice, and you're like, it's everything is new and exciting for you. But when you think about the nuance of a performance like that, where you have to do that eight times a week, you know, you think like that must be a challenge to like stay present. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, there are those performances where it's 
it's effortless and like any kind of meditation, I think there are the times you go through where it's just like kind of euphoric. And then there are the times where it's like, I can't stand here anymore. (laughs) And then physically too, it's weird. It's like, I I mean, I do have orthotics in my shoe to help me because those are not those I'm wearing some like, you know, nineties realness, tennis, like Fila, (laughs) big white, like basketball shoes. The costumes in this production are, are amazing. Yeah, I mean it's so real. Again, you go back to like the what we the wig where we first oh talked about. It's like the look when I when I first was given that look, I was like, oh really? Is that what we're gonna do? <laughs> and now I'm so about it. It's yeah. like it just puts you in the world. It puts you in this this guy who's just like who's just really waiting. What and what what I like about it? It's surprising on so many levels what happens. I mean, the song that blossoms at the end. Oh my god! Uh, and I don't want to say like what happens in the song because I want to leave that for people who yeah. haven't seen it yet. Yeah. Very little happens in this musical. <laughs> it really... tells you right up front. Yeah. Like there's the, the projection yeah. on the screen that's something to the effect of like, yeah. you, you probably, this thing happened, but you probably didn't hear about yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. I love it. Yeah. Um, but something happens in the song and um, it's, it's, it's deeply moving to me and I hope it is to whoever sees it. Uh, but what was I talking about? That? Oh, the, like, yeah, the, it just puts you in the, the wig and this costume puts you in the mindset of like this guy. And I think it does for the audience. Like, oh, this poor guy that's just like not with it. Like <laughs> his clothes are baggy. It's like, you know, he looks like he's just been standing out there for a month, which he has been, according to what Dina says. Yeah. She, she says he's been out there for a month, you know, waiting. And a month, who knows? A month could be a year in Bet It could be a lifetime. Right. They this guy also doesn't have a phone in his house. He's got to stand outside by the payphone. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, who, you know, I think like in my mind, in my, like, you know, my character, my telephone guide character, where it's like he probably lives. Lives nearby, maybe he can hear. Like he'll have to go home to use the bathroom. Like, right? Uh, you know, but he's very much at that phone a lot. And and what's not in the script, which Cromer pulled out, is like even in the scenes where I'm not, uh, I don't either don't have lines or I'm not active in some kind of engagement with another character. I'm you still are witnessing me. Like I'm on stage, kind yeah. of a scenery, yeah. staring at that phone. Because then there's a payoff at the end. Yeah, you, you know, I think that it's extra. Uh, either it packs an extra punch. Yeah. Um, I wanted. What was I going to ask you? Oh, I wanted to ask you about the mechanics of learning this song. It's such a spectacular, beautiful, perfect song. When you did, you have to sing it for your auditions. Oh yeah. Oh so yeah. When you got it, you said you sort of knew it, right? Because you had heard it. I, I I knew it in terms of its like melodic line and like the general flow of it, etc. But like. I still feel like it, I feel like it's one. It's the song is like a graph to infinity. Like uh-huh. it's never ultimately performable. It's never like it, it's so simple. It's, but it's the most it's simple. Really hard. Exactly. That's yeah. what I mean. It's yeah. like so. When you say I didn't know it, I still don't feel like I know it. Like <laughs> I still feel like I'm learning it. I still feel like it's a process, and I'm still um, actively checking back in with the music director about it. I mean, I'm still rehearsing it. Mm-hmm. Every night is a rehearsal for it. Yeah. And I like that. I mean, it's also, it's a big challenge for me because I'm used to kind of singing big in a way. Like, like, and, and, and I guess what I'm learning through this song is like, I've relied a lot on little tricks and turns and yeah. showmanship in a way. And this show and this song calls for none of that. And I think that was part of their... I'm just projecting this. I could be wrong, but I think it was probably part of the creative team's slight hesitation in having me because the song, you know, 
this this role and this song should not necessarily be sung by like a big Broadway like a uh-huh. like a kind of Broadway quote unquote like name yeah. or or sing and I'm not saying like that's me it doesn't feel like me but maybe in the eyes of perhaps some people behind the table I had like yeah. maybe too much Broadway behind well, me well wouldn't it be interesting to have a, like somebody who you don't know what they can do you know what I mean it's like everybody knows that Adam Cantor has this big gorgeous voice so wouldn't it be interesting if there had been some unknown person who all of a sudden like opens his mouth and sings this gorgeous yeah, song yeah and, and that's sweet of you to say that thank you and I, I also do think like there are plenty of people who come to this especially after like the initial previews when all the theater people come uh-huh. I think there are plenty of people that come and don't know my <laughs> name from somebody else like you know so I think I think it's 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 all good in that respect now, but like, um, yeah, I, I I I do think there was some hesitations there, uh, and really uh, and valid. Those are founded good hesitations to have because it's true. Like I getting to this point of simplicity is a journey for me, and they had faith that I would. I think that I could get there. So what you're saying is that you think the hesitation might have been that you were going to come in and just like Broadway sing. This well, song. I think I did a little bit. Yeah. I think a lot of people did when they probably came in and, and 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 may this show run for many, many, many years. And if I could give any advice to anyone who goes in this after I leave the show in 30 years, <laughs> is that you know, yeah, you do not you want to you want to strip down all yeah. kind of showmanship from it. It's total root of this questioning of will you answer me and in the most simple direct way well and also at some point th- this music is going to be out there and like every high school kid is going to say oh, yeah. song. so this right. is good advice they're going to hear that oh yeah i think so <laughs> you know i mean yeah if you're taking it out of context and whatever but like yeah in the context of the show uh i think if it's done the way that it should be done in my opinion is 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 yeah in in a, in a very simple way i wanted to ask you just the last question about the song you know it it the song evolves into the like i think it's the whole company right mm-hmm. is it the whole company um almost the almost whole the company. whole company yeah it is so i mean just the first time i heard it it was super powerful but then to see it it's almost overwhelming and i'm wondering like as a performer the do you still experience like what does it feel like to be singing this beautiful song with this beautiful company like straight to the does it ever do you ever feel like that 16 year old kid who like had broadway stars in his eyes and all like here you are in a moment like that well that my favorite part of it is getting to sing with this whole company because i i really love that i i adore this company it's like I have so much respect for every single person as an artist and an act. Like I, I, I geek out. I watch them yeah. in these scenes. Everyone is so fully, fully invested in in their roles and in this show. And yeah, that my favorite part of the song really is when it swells and when I feel that energy of the, of and we just become part of this bigger thing. And it it's bigger than all of us really. And it's it's the theater. It's the yeah. whole. So yeah, I, I get I get chills talking about it. Um, so the answer would be yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I have to ask you about John. And I don't know how to say his last name. Is it Sirianni or Cariani? John Cariani. John Cariani. Yeah. I, I remember realizing early on when the casting was announced that you guys were going to be in this show together. And you guys are our two most recent great Broadway models. <laughs> Do you guys? Did you know him? Did you, were you guys friends? Like, how did it? To, like, as a little theater nerd, yeah, that's like, yeah, yeah. so cool. No, I mean, I'm a theater nerd about him because I remember seeing him in Fiddler. Uh huh. Um, and I thought he was incredible as uh-huh. a model, and his performance was very much in my mind. And I like, I totally think I stole some things from at least energetically mm-hmm. um, from what I remembered of his performance. And while I was doing Fiddler. 
I reached out because he was in something rotten, yeah, which and, I love. Yeah, I love he's that brilliant. Show. He's yeah, brilliant. He's brilliant. He's amazing. He's in always it. brilliant. Yeah. And I so I reached out and asked if I could interview him. I was doing like a a Broadway.com vlog at the time. Of, yeah. On like my model and process and backstage and all that, and I reached out to ask if I could interview him and like have him be part of it. And he of course said yes, and. Um, I I got to chat with him. It's all it's, you could watch it on the vlog. Wow! Still. So I, that's that's a, that was our first like real sit down was for that vlog, um, and I was just so delighted by him as a human. And then does we, he have crazy energy? Like very up, very like energetic energy. Is he like that? Th- there's definitely a lot of him that is that. Yeah, I mean, he's not like. I think he he can amplify that for some of his brilliant uh, characters on stage. Uh huh. But. Um, or brilliant portrayals of these characters, I should say. But yeah, he he's definitely he's very he's very alert. I yeah. would say, yeah, very alert, very perceptive, um, brilliant. He's he's a brilliant person and so lovely, yeah. So and funny, it's just great energy. Yeah, great, great, great energy. We have a lot of fun together, and yeah, we're always like. We have that. We have that bond. It's so that. cool. Just like again, as a theater nerd, to know that you guys are working together in this thing. It's like that's. I, I just love that stuff. Yeah, yeah. We 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 enjoy it too. Yeah. Um. Just last-ish question. I was rereading the New York Times review this morning. Do you? Are you a review reader? You couldn't really escape it with these, and you didn't yeah. want to because we yeah. just kept hearing how like. Amazing. Over the top. And I was yeah. like, I want to know what they're saying, you know? Brantley was talking about, like, it's time to fall in love with theater again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How is it to, like, come to work at, in a atmosphere where your show is just, like, a big, fat hit? It's really nice. No, I mean, <laughs> look, I, more than that, it's just, it's just a piece that we all love. And it's a piece that I think, look, I, I came into it after they had been really validated downtown. And... I think just having just feeling that people are loving it and connecting with it is really, really beautiful. And, um, you know, to love something intrinsically is great. And to know that you're really affecting people on a deep level, it makes it all the more great. Mm -hmm. Um, And just to feel that this is a show that has some staying power, you know, hopefully literally on Broadway for a while, yeah. but also just like in the canon of musical theater and like in people's Spotify playlists. Yeah. And I just saw it this morning, my friend sent me a post that she saw on Facebook that was somebody like, I just had a New York moment that I have been waiting for, which was listening to subway, someone on the subway and he sits down next to me. Was and, it you? Yeah, it was me. <laughs> and and then I saw in the comments, it was like, did you say something? And she was like, no, I didn't say anything. And I'm like, I wanted to like find, I'm still, I think I'm going to try to find her and be like, next time say something. But like, you know, to know that this, um, that I have a small piece in this show and in this score, which is like, affecting people on a on a powerful level it's like what what more can you ask for as, yeah. as an artist you know yeah and it's time for Yazbek to have his big long running hit yeah you know yeah. <laughs> and may this be the one yeah well Adam Cantor I'm obsessed with you thank you thank, thank you for coming you. early and doing this thank you for having me this early <laughs> of course and we'll see you again soon okay great okay bye bye Theater People is produced by Mike Jensen and me, Patrick Hines. Mike edited this episode. Special thanks to our Patreon associate producers, Robbie Roselle, Ty Williams, Cynthia Wallach, and Carol Spellman. Special thanks also to Steve Tipton, Eric Emsch, Keith Allen Herzog, Ellen Marsh, and the staff at Oswald's. You guys, I'm off to London. We'll be back in two weeks, and we'll see you then. Mwah! 
And I'm Ben Bob, stuck in the syrup Just kind of trying to find out what I'm doing wrong